Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Small Business Edge Podcast. Our guest today is Julie Rollauer, co-founder and chief learning officer of Antidote, a professional development company. And today, we're going to talk about the antidote for learning and development. Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast, Julie Rollauer. Thank you, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's it's great to have you on the show. I'm excited because uh, you and I have talked a lot in the past offline about learning and development. Uh, you were gracious enough to audit the Bricks or Sticks workshop that mm-hmm. I do with Jocelyn Ring and gave us incredible feedback on ways that we can improve the workshop to help people learn and develop better. Mm -hmm. And it was based on that feedback that I said, I need to have you on the podcast so that you can share everything you know with my listeners. Everything. We'll just do a total brain dump today. Right. Um, right. But Brian, that was... That was a mutual exchange of value, let me tell you, because the knowledge that I gained from auditing that content uh, was absolutely invaluable, Um, much of which you imparted on me through our numerous coffee chats anyway. Yeah. Um, It was helpful to hear it again in a more structured, formal way as I am starting this business. We're nearly three weeks in. So thank you for that opportunity. And Thank you for agreeing to go to coffee with me on a very uh, brisk March morning as I was walking my dog past your house and you were raking your leaves and asked me what I was up to in my life. Uh, Wasn't that a a serendipitous moment for the two of us? Yeah. So people are wondering now. So Julie is a neighbor of mine and she was uh, uh, an executive at Google for many years in learning and development. And uh, and as as she mentioned, as I was raking my leaves, which I like to do, it's very therapeutic for me. You walk by with your dog. We started a chat and you said, well, I'm joining your world. Mm-hmm. And I was beyond excited to hear that. And so for the past six months or so, we've had uh, plenty of conversations about what it what it's like to start a business, to run it, to grow it, all of the the little things that you really you don't know what you don't know. And you talked okay. uh which I want you to bring up. Um but but let's get started. So so you you your background was at Google for many years mm-hmm. and in learning and development. What inspired you to start Antidote, which is your company now? Yeah. Uh, Well, so I was at Google for 16 years. Um, I was running the team that facilitated something called Google Sales School, which frankly, I think every college should have a sales major because really the only time you can get sales training is on the job, really. I mean, right, Brian, you've got sales in your DNA. Yeah. I kind of had it in mind from a young age of selling Girl Scout cookies, but nobody really teaches you how to sell. It's all what to sell at these big companies, right? And Google was doing a phenomenal job of teaching our 22,000 sellers what to sell from an ads perspective, right? The advertising making up the majority of Google's revenue, but there was no how to sell it. How do you handle objections? How do you competitively sell? How do you start a meeting? Mm-hmm. Um, so the very like the basics and then some of the more sophisticated parts of selling, which I don't know, 
is selling ever really sophisticated? You got two ears and one mouth. Just don't talk as much as you, as you should listen. That's that's the sophistication of sales. Yeah. So that's what I was sort of most interested in. And after 20 years of selling both technology and digital media ad sales and having some leadership experience under my belt, I pivoted to learning and development because I wanted to widen my impact and share what I knew, share what I had learned over 20 years in sales. And Google gave me a wonderful platform to do that. I was not in HR. I was in the sales organization. I was in the go-to-market team um, that operationalized how the sellers went to market with our products. So that also gave me a le leg up. And I was in an organization that was formed by sellers for sellers. Wow. So the credibility that I had, because I had spent so much time walking in their shoes, I didn't know how to negotiate when I got to, to Google, even after being in sales for 10 years. Um, <clears throat> we were hiring world-renowned negotiations professors from world-renowned academic institutions. Um, but that's not very scalable, right? And I was on a wait list for three years to get into courses like that. So how do we make that scalable? How do we make it relatable and immediately applicable to their jobs? And I just found that really exciting. Um, when I left, and I'm, I'm doing this in air quotes for our listeners, um, Google had a, we called it the golden 12K. They had a, a massive reduction in force that I was, I was impacted by, which at the, at the time, I did not realize the gift that had been handed to me. I don't think I had realized it when we first chatted that day in, in March, Brian, because I was terrified at the conversation I had just had with my now two partners about starting a business. Never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that would be something I would want to do. But uh, my two partners, Lauren and Anthony, stumbled on this idea for a company as a bit of a happy accident. They owned a media company uh, that was creating externally facing content for brands, commercials, branded content, long and short form content, documentaries. Um, Lauren was a uh, television producer for networks and streaming services. Anthony was a former creative director turned uh, talent acquisition entrepreneur. So both of them have these like enormously creative brains. And their clients started asking them if they could make internal content as engaging as the external content that they were making. And they were like, tell us more. They asked the right question. Yeah. Well, how could we how could we make DEI training, for example, interesting mm -hmm. and engaging and relevant and applicable? And you know, insert adjective about every on you know mandatory corporate training you've ever taken here. Boring, yeah. tedious, time-consuming, irrelevant, non-applicable. So, so I've seen the same training every year for the past ten years, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so they hired the Upright Citizens Brigade and a bunch of improv actors from the Groundlings to do a training in conjunction with a subject matter expert on DISC, which is personality types in the workplace. And they crushed it. Wow. And they didn't know really what they were doing from a learning and development perspective. They partnered with a subject matter expert who knew what she was doing. But they had they stumbled on this sort of liquid gold in a bottle that was like, how do we take the best of the, con of the content that people like to watch at home mm -hmm. and turn it into internal learning development content? Because guess what? When people go to work and badge in, they don't leave their content consumption habits at the door. Yeah. They'd like to watch a Netflix episode about insert company topic versus like the boring training that I've seen for the past 10 years that I could basically recite the quiz questions to. Yeah. 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 I really thought that they were onto something. And the idea of leaving a big company, big salary, big benefits role was terrifying. But the opportunity to gain flexibility 
in not having to commute three hours on six trains and take breaks when I needed them and not chain smoke my meetings for 12 hours and be on the phone at 7 a.m. with Dublin and 11 p.m. with Singapore was really interesting and attractive and exciting. Well, you you know, that was the experience you needed. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's your undergraduate degree. You know, now (laughs) you are, you know, you're you're in you're getting your Ph.D. in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. You know, so you needed that to to get to where you are today. I did. Yeah. And, you know, thanks to your GPS plan, when mm-hmm. I did SWOT analysis uh-huh. and I got to our weaknesses, our weaknesses is I've never been an entrepreneur. My, the a strength right. is my two partners have. They owned a media company before this. Yeah. So they have earned their stripes, mm-hmm. cut their teeth, stepped yeah. into some potholes and they've come out the other end recognizing a huge opportunity and gap in the market to address learning and development content that isn't working, isn't resonating, and isn't speaking to employees in a way that they need to be spoken to in order to learn. And so that's why I think this is so exciting. So I, I do, I want to, we're going to, the meat of this podcast will be about learning and development, but I want to talk to you a little bit about because a lot of our listeners have have either started a company or they're going to start a company. And, and most of them will start businesses on their own. You're starting it with two partners. And that's a unique situation. That's not the norm in, in most businesses. What was that like in, in terms of, okay, I'm going to put my future into the hands of these two people along with myself. Yeah. But, you know, the chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Yeah. Am I the weak link here? Are they, you know, I, and, and, and you got to have, sometimes you have to have uncomfortable conversations about the direction of the company, the name of the company. Mm-hmm. And, and, and how has that been for you over the last six months? Yeah. Well, I think um, I know of a lot of companies that have started because a few colleagues that happen to work really well in a company together come up with an idea, they leave. And they continue working really well together. That was not the case with Lauren and Anthony. My network introduced me to them. Okay. A very good friend of mine at Google introduced me to them and said, Hey, would you be would you be interested in having a conversation with two people that are looking for somebody with a background in sales and learning and development? And I just was approaching, this was February, right? I'm I'm a month out of, you know, just my head spinning. Yeah. And I approached everything from a place of yes. Like, of course I'll have a I'll have a literally have a conversation with anybody because I don't know. I don't know which direction I should go. So a lot of it was getting to know them on a personal basis. What, you know, what do they value? Mm. Um, What is their work ethic like? What have they done in the past that has made them so successful? And they are, Anthony has become a serial entrepreneur since leaving the creative world, creative director world. Um, And Lauren spent 20 years as a very, very successful, operationally rigorous television producer. And so over, I would say, five months, I was able to identify their skills and talents Mm -hmm. as they complemented mine or as they filled gaps in in ones that I don't have. I came from a go-to-market operations team at Google. I I really can never say that operations is the one thing that rolls my socks up and down. (laughs) (laughs) Can I do it? Of course. Did I have to be good at it in my role and in the organization that I was in? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lauren is hands down the most operationally rigorous person I've I've ever met. 
And she compliments both me and Anthony um, in, in magical ways. So one is, you know, where do we compliment each other? Two are where can we fill in gaps from each other? Yeah. Um, and three is our work ethic, right? And I know that they work really hard because of the types of clients that they have. Um, <clears throat> what were some of the other questions that you asked me in that in that chain? Um, well, it, well, let's stay with that where, where you are right now, because, yeah. you know, you, you talk about um, filling in the gaps. Mm-hmm. That's the foundation of your company mm-hmm. is do we have a 360 degree view of our world? You know, do, are we able to answer as many questions about that 360 degree view so we don't miss anything and mm-hmm. we don't get hit with a two by four in the back of the head because we didn't see it? And, right. and the things that what I know about you in offline conversations is that any gaps that remained, you filled in with either advisors or outside counsel. Right. Yeah. So, we, okay. yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> A lot of times businesses will launch and start running their business. People run their business without having any answers to those gaps. And that's where you hit a landmine or a mm-hmm. pothole and that you didn't see coming. It's because your view of the world is only 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's 180 degrees, but it's yes. not that 360. That to me early on was the fact that you found two people who complement your skill set. Yes. So you're filling in the foundation and then yes. you say, okay, what's remaining? Let's fill in that. Absolutely. You launched your company. Yes. I had so many conversations. I mean, Brian, how many times did we go to coffee, right? A lot. Um, you know, I, I really do look look at you as an informal advisor and mentor to me at this point because you you've nailed the entrepreneurial thing, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I were here. Um, and so I I was willing, and again, I approached everything from a place of yes to talk to anyone that had advice, suggestions, feedback that could gain me and a different or offer me a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, we are speaking with people that Lauren and Anthony have known for years and really trust. And I am finding those same people in my network as well that maybe don't know anything about learning and development, but know where um, certain industries that we could pinpoint, certain places that we could play. Um, one of the things we used to do at Google for brand clients was something called Rope of Scope. What inside, and we literally used to take a piece of rope and we turn it into a circle. And inside the circle is where you want to play or where you have a right to play. And outside of the circle is what you're not going to touch. You're not going to be, you're going to be risk averse outside of the circle. Okay. Um, and we did a very similar exercise. Where do we have a right to play? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we have a right to own? Are there specific industries we want to go after? And these were all questions, Brian, that you posed to me in our first uh, meeting in May. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Who do you want to target? Mm-hmm. Customers, do you want to work with? What are your values? Who do you want to say no to? That was a that was a, that was a hard question for us. What are we saying no to? Um, so that we can we can um, take advantage of our prime time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not give away stuff for free because no. that means that we're not taking on things that are revenue producing. Right. We ask those what if questions. Some of those are now built into our operating agreement. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, I, you asked what I needed. I told you I needed an attorney to to look through an operating agreement because we already had one. But I don't speak legalese. You helped yeah. me with one, and so um, you know the 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 network tentacles were wide and deeper than I ever could have imagined. It's so helpful. Yeah, I called my brother. <laughs> yeah, you called your brother. Uh, it, was it, was, it was amazing. It was an attorney, but 
What I love what you said before was say yes to everything. When you are in gathering mode, when you have a beginner's mind, Mm-hmm. And we should all have a beginner's mind when we're starting something new, whether it's a new company or we're launching a new product or we're launching a new service. To have that beginner's mind is to say yes to everything because you're in gathering mode, mm-hmm. right? And I love that. And and sometimes when, when you get as old as me and you've been doing this for a long time, you tend to move past that because you think you know what mm-hmm. you need. Right. That's where what you're doing basically is you're closing more doors than you should. Yes. yes. Like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to do steps one through six. I'm just going to jump to step seven, Mm -hmm. launching this new product or this new service because I've done this in the past and I'm a Mm -hmm. pro at this. Mm -hmm. That's where you cut corners, you make mistakes. I love what you just said there because everybody, when you approach something new for the first time, have that beginner's mind, say yes to everything, gather, because you never know where a partner might come from, a good idea might come from, yep. an introduction to somebody might come from. Right. That's right. Right? Uh, in, in the gathering yeah. The way that I'm looking at, um, have you ever been to a, an ice skating competition? I, I, I can say no. Uh, no, <laughs> that's it's on my bucket list. That's but. amazing. Okay. Have you ever watched one on TV? Yes. Okay. Uh, I would say maybe 25% of the audience has flowers in their hands, mm. right? For the, to, to throw onto the ice, whether that's their lifelong, you know, fan of the skater, or they personally know the skater. Those are the people inside your networks that are going to cheer you on. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Wow. And they're always going to give you flowers. And then you've got the other 75% of your, of your network who, when you fall, which you will, mm-hmm. they are willing you to get up. Right. If you look at the the faces of those people in the audience when a nice skater falls, they're like, "Oh my god, please get up, please get up!" Right? Yeah, yeah. They, they are cheering you on, and they are being they are so supportive. So when you approach your network from a place of yes, from a place of curiosity and curation of advice and coachability, mm-hmm. everybody wants you to succeed. Right. And the amount of support that my network showed me oh. post riff in January was yeah. overwhelming in the most positive of ways, you included, Brian. Yeah. I never could have imagined the amount of outreach and support that I received. And, I, and, and I t- I'm taking advantage of that because why wouldn't I? Of course, of course. What a great point you bring up because you're right because people watch you on social media. They listen to you on social media. They are reading what you're writing on social media. They see your engagement. They know you're a good person. They know that you help. That it, And the rule of reciprocity kicks in that I know if I fell, Julie would help me. She would pick me up. What you don't want to be is the victim, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody, likes the the victim right like it's always woe is me and you know you, you you're constantly talking about things that are happening at some point you're like you know what we all got problems you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. i got mine you got yours fix it fix it on your own but mm-hmm. if somebody comes out who is typically strong and who's done a lot of good mm-hmm. and they've fallen mm-hmm. i will go anywhere to help yeah, that yeah. person yeah, and i know I'm you sure. do too i used to uh, coach people on my teams internally that, particularly when it came to internal mobility, have as many coffee chats with people that you respect and want to get to know better as possible. And you end those coffee chats with, 
who are the two people you can introduce me to that I can go talk to next? If you apply that same philosophy to life outside of a big company (laughs) and coaching outside of somebody who just wants to move internally, I actually haven't even had to had to ask that question because it's just offered proactively, which is overwhelmingly positive support that I could never have imagined. Well, again, that's it's a win-win. Selfishly, the people want to introduce you to their network because it's going to make them look good. Oh, that's look right. at this very smart person I know who's starting a company, and I think that there's something for you. Again, offline, we talked about some of the clients that I work with that I would love to introduce you to mm-hmm. because I think it's a win-win. It'll help mm-hmm. your company, but it's going to help them yeah. with what they're trying to do. So if I make that introduction, it makes me look good. Absolutely. It's kind of a no-brainer. There's one other point that I want to make before we get into learning and development, and that is vulnerability is the new invincibility. I think Brene Brown said that. That sounds that sounds that sounds right. Yeah, but that is so hard. That would that has been so hard for somebody like me to mm-hmm. buy into. Mm-hmm. But because it, it, it's always, I always looked at it as a sign of weakness. Like I cannot let people know what I'm going through right now. I'm just going to have to figure it out on my own. And then you realize that it's like people had, you know, people walk around with life preservers and 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 hands reached out, extended out. And they're all there waiting for you. You don't have to walk through the muck and the swamp on your own. Your own, yeah. <clears throat> and, and, and it's a great learning lesson. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. there's an easier way to do it. And mm-hmm. you've got to be able to have those people in your corner, especially when you're starting your own business, who are non-judgmental, mm-hmm. who will look at you and will be your truth teller. hundred percent. Yeah. Like, okay, Julie, you know what? That was, that was a bad move. Like you, mm-hmm. you really screwed up here, but it's fixable. Mm-hmm. And here's how you can fix it. Or I, I, I wouldn't make this move right now if I were you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. And it hurts to say that. Because maybe you've invested time and money into it, but it, it's the right move. You, you're going to throw good money after bad if you keep going down. The yeah. well, I, well, the way I look at it is if you're, you know, you're the captain of the ship, I would like somebody like you in my crow's nest to be able to spot ah. the things that maybe I can't. Right. And I will be up there by myself. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And you've done that with your company. You've done that with your network. So all of this the point is that you've done a great job right now where Thank you are you. with three weeks in. <laughs> well it's more than that it's it's actually six months and it's three true weeks it's true because yeah. you, you've really set a solid foundation which is what we talk about all the time uh, yeah. let's talk about learning and development great who in the world doesn't need it right now what <laughs> company does not lead some sort of learning and development uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. So I'm on the board of a um, a nonprofit that is um, specifically for people who identify as women in uh, advertising, media, and marketing. And it's called She Runs It. And we had a board meeting yesterday about the just the chaos in the world, right? And as a leader, how do you navigate that? Because if you address it, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. And we talked about the fact that like right now, what leaders need is training on how to be more empathetic to the chaos that's going on in the world. I mean, pick your crisis, right? And oh, by the way, we've got an election coming up next year. So it's not, doesn't end December 31st. It's going to keep going. No, 
Um, and so that's just like one small example that's not product related. It's not skills related. It's like leadership related to like company morale and productivity. I read a um, Harvard Business Review article yesterday, happiness at work and why it's, why it's possible and worth it. And there was a st- statistic that there is a causal relationship between happy employees and productivity And that unhappy employees are costing the world $7.8 trillion, which is 11% of the the global GDP. Wow. What makes employees happy? Well, if you think about like just starting their journey with being recruited, hired, onboarded, if that's a miserable experience, that's like having a really loud, horrible alarm clock every day. Like you're not starting your day off on the right foot. It's not setting your career on the right trajectory. Um, I read another research poll that 94% of today's employees expect training and will stay with a company that continues to train them. And that's not just for their careers today. That's so that they can be ready for their careers outside of the company as well. There's a great cartoon that's a CEO talking to a CFO. The CEO says to the CFO, what if we train our employees and they leave? And the CFO says, what if we don't and they stay? Uh-huh. Right? Wow. That's, wow. A, that's, a, that's, a, that's a horrible situation. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah, so yeah. training them in ways, maybe it's product related. Okay, oh, great, great. So you know, how to, you know what to sell. You know how to sell it. That makes you more productive. It impacts the bottom line. Yeah. It impacts morale. It impacts culture. Overall, if I zoom out at a 5,000 foot view, this is about corporate culture and making it better. All right. So that's the, that's the next question. What, what are, what are the types of learning and development that companies need today? You know, you mentioned specific products or processes or onboarding yeah. and that, then that's, you know, specific to, the company, like here's how we can run more efficiently, more productively. And then there's stuff like leadership or the human development, like learning, listening, and, and kind of the intangibles. That's right. Yeah. In in business that you work on so that you can get kind of, it's the gray area of business, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when you say gray, when I hear from that is how do you measure it? Yes, 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 yes. How how do you measure it? So, you know, are you what we are, the the global epidemic that we are trying to solve is people taking mandatory corporate learning content for the sake of checking a box. I did it. I'm done. I don't remember it. I don't want to remember it. I multitasked. I multitasked while I was doing it. I took the quiz because I remembered it from last year. (laughs) <laughs> the sexual, the sexual, somebody, um, a friend of mine from high school put on my social media post, can you please change all of the sexual harassment trainings that feature a guy named Todd? No more guys named Todd. <laughs> I said, okay, we will not put actors or you know no. <laughs> humans in our content named Todd, we promise. But imagine a world in which you don't get a nasty gram from HR or your boss saying yeah. you're overdue with this training. Imagine a world where there is Netflix-like episodic, interesting content that you actually want to watch because mm-hmm. you know it'll make you more effective at your job. That's what we want to, that's what we want to create. 
So let me ask you this, whether it's a Google or, or something you're working on now, what's the last learning and development project you worked on? Well, let me think about that. I'm, I'm going to use um, Antidote as a, um, I'll use the media company because Antidote, we don't have any clients yet. We're, yeah. we're in the pipeline building um, phase of our of our. That's company. not going to be for long. Trust me. I know, I know. But a very conservative um, pharmaceutical company uh, had employed Lauren and Anthony to create external content. And they said, could you just do us a favor and reassess and maybe reimagine our internal learning and development content? Um, and that's the example of that DISC training I, I told you about, which is, you know, our, and this is the personality type that you exhibit at work. Are you directive? Are you an influencer? Are you steady? Or are you, are you compliant? And they, again, they worked with a subject matter expert who gave these improv actors a brief and off they went. <clears throat> they also were hired by a very conservative pharmaceutical company to create buzz uh, for their pharmaceutical reps in an engaging way. That was the brief. Like how, how vague can you get? But also if you're creative, what a great slate. Yeah. Oh, engage your sales force. Okay. So a la comedians in cars getting coffee, they hired a very well-known comedian mm -hmm. to do ride-alongs with reps and observe the crazy acronyms in the pharmaceutical industry oh. and the gatekeeper, you know, women at the front desk that won't let you get the appointment with the doctor. Yeah. Um, and so the pharmaceutical company said, we need to make this a training video because this is as equally parts funny as it is educational. And that's where Antidote sits. It's sort of at the intersection of I, th I think the official name is edutainment, but it's entertainment and it's educating. And it's not a snore again, because people don't check their content consumptions at the door when they go to work. All right. So how did you come up with the the, the name antidote? Ah, uh, yes. So a very <laughs> wise man named Brian Moran uh, no, no, uh, no. was, was using a, um, a little known uh, platform called chat GPT mm -hmm. <laughs> and suggested maybe I try it. And so, there was a different name for the company that didn't, it was a bit incongruous with the tagline for the company, which we all really were bought in on. The tagline for the company was a cure for the common content. Oh, I love it. It needs no explanation. Yeah. Because if yeah. you I have ever worked for a company, you take mandatory training. Most of the content is very common. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Very safe. It's very forgettable, imminently yeah. forgettable. And it doesn't inspire me at all. Mm -hmm. doesn't make me happy. Right. Still, that's a great way to put it. Um, so we put that tagline into ChatGPT and some of our other favorite search engines. And out came these wonderful lists of names. And we like to antidote because antidotes make things better. Antidotes yeah. fix problems. That's exactly what we want to do. A spoonful of sugar. Exactly. Go down, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we're just trying to do it in really creative ways that, that surprise and delight that made people go, wow, I had no idea learning and development content could do that. Uh, so a, a, a previous guest on my podcast years ago is a brilliant uh, uh, financial person, CFO of two Inc. 500 companies. He gave workshops to um, C-suite execs and Fortune 500 companies. And uh, he said it was just amazing how some of them didn't know as much as they should have. Mm -hmm. And so when he presented the coursework, he called it broccoli with cheese. Oh, I like that. He yeah. said, because it's, this is tough to stomach, but the mm -hmm. cheese, you know, it, it's that, 
That's what you're doing. You're you're that's exactly right. You're broccoli with cheese. Yeah, I I, I hate broccoli so much. I might actually put chocolate on it, but <laughs> I, I'm not sure it would taste any better. But to, to your earlier question about what types of trainings are we going after? You know, if you've got the the managerial, the leadership development, the the very hard to measure trainings. Yes. But when you look over time, people don't leave companies, they leave bad managers. So if your retention rates increase over time, that is, you know, a, a corollary measure. Okay. Then you've got your, your mandatory trainings that I, as a manager at any company, have to take. I've got to take my sexual harassment. I've got to take my compliance, my, my you know, my ethics training, my legal training. Um, that, I also would argue, can be extremely stale. And then there's, you know, organization-specific training that is the, you know, what do you do and how do you make what you do, uh, how do you make these employees more productive mm -hmm. and give them information that's relevant to their jobs. So I, I look at it in, in three different buckets. We can do everything. Um, you know, it's just a matter of partnering with the right subject matter experts. So that's one category of people that we're talking to. Then we're, we're talking to potential partners as well. And then we're talking to clients. Um, and we're learning a lot from those potential partners. And we're talking to partners. I never thought we'd we'd scratch the surface talking. We talked to a guy who's a, been a lifelong uh, venture capitalist um, who had some really unique perspectives to us uh, for us yesterday. We talked to a loyalty and rewards marketing firm yesterday um, who has a really interesting idea about how to oh, track brilliant. the learning journey and then how to incentivize your employees to actually get through it. I um, love that. Yeah, which I, I never would have dreamed that partnering with a loyalty and rewards marketing company yeah. was possible. Yeah. So most of our listeners, so we have listeners that run the gap, right? We have large companies, decision makers at large companies who target the small to mid-sized business market. But the majority of our listeners are in that SMB space. So typically, typically less than 100 employees, but we'll go as high as a, a thousand. Right. Yeah, yeah. But in that space where many companies might not have an HR director, right, they'll have 50 employees. Um, although that's probably not in your bullseye, you know, mm -hmm. there is there is learning and development that that they need to do right in their company. And they know it mm -hmm. right? because uh, especially as it centers around technology and processes and implementation. Mm -hmm. But. You know, when you bring on a new employer, a new manager into that space, um, there's change. There's there's change to right. company culture. Somebody's left. Somebody's coming in. Is that a good time to address learning and development when you've had that sort of shift? Again, whether it's you're implementing a new a major system into your business, it's going to change the way that people market it, the way okay. they sell it. Or when you have a change in in leadership, like okay, we're not we're not getting to where we want to be mm -hmm. right now with the mm -hmm. team. So I, I just let go three of my managers, mm -hmm. and I'm a fifty person you know company, mm -hmm. and I'm bringing in three new managers. Is is that a good op time to to talk about learning and development? I think I don't think there's ever a bad time to talk about learning development. Yeah. But I think it's it's just all about the pain points, right? So if I've just let go of three managers, what are your pain points? Mm, probably that their 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 boss that needs to rehire doesn't have time to train them, right? right? And and if you want to, um, if you want to evoke the culture that ultimately you want to use to attract top talent. You've got to start with the managers. You need them to behave in a way that is that aligns with your values, with the type of environment that you want to foster in order to make employees happier and more productive. 
Um, I also think that, you know, if I, if I think about startups and if I think about the message that they want to convey outwards to their partners or to their VCs who are funding them, I, I look at learning and development also as like a marketing tool, right? Yeah. You can create content that can help hire that top talent, that can help go find those top partners, right? And educate them about your business, about your culture, about why you are such a phenomenal place to work, about why you're going to crush it in the marketplace. So those those VCs get their, you know, they get their ROI that they're looking for. Right. I think there's there's a, a there's a million different ways you can slice learning and development based on what you need employees to be able to do. You know, it's it's interesting. There are so many ways you can go with this company. Mm -hmm. And one of them that I'm thinking too is just having these learning and development videos kind of like as a DIY for oh, yeah. on demand sure. size business market where you can take a, a an issue, right? Mm -hmm. Or an opportunity or an obstacle, right? And you create these these series of learning and development videos. Do, do you do like, would you do workbooks with them like for exercises or? Of course. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we, I am not in the business of creating um, curriculum because I'm only one person. I did that at Google. It takes a very long time and it takes right. an army of instructional designers behind you who, who really are very focused on one topic, which yeah. is why we've curated a whole list of subject matter experts who can help with the design. And look, if they're charismatic enough, those subject matter experts can either be put on camera for videos, right. they can be put in person, right? Because I actually think that what makes learning and development the most sticky yeah. is in person. It's when you're in person. It's when you have an opportunity to practice. So there's knowledge transfer, which is sort of like the talking head at you, right? The yeah. videos that you can fast forward, right? Biggest innovation in learning and development in the past 10 years is you can't fast forward through the videos without getting <laughs> for it, which yeah. is pathetic, but it's true. Um, so, but the most, most effective is the knowledge transfer and then the application of that knowledge transfer, which is practice. And the, and the only way to do that is in person. So, uh, that's why having this roster of subject matter experts, uh, you know, in our, in our, our bank of gems is so important to us, yeah. uh, because we can't, I can't, I can't make all this content alone. And, and I don't have a shelf to go to I, Brian. If you said to me like, Hey, I need some sales skills training. I did sales skills at Google for a really long time, but I don't have a shelf off of which I can pull a training and hand it to you. Right. Yeah. I want to sit down with you, figure out what your pain points are. And then I want to bring in the right people. And like I said, either they design and we get improv actors on camera to make it really engaging. Or if they're charismatic enough, we get them on camera or we get them in person. And that's the general idea. Wow. All right. We're, we're, we're at the witching hour right now. And, and <laughs> of course, this always happens. So a couple of things. One, I'm going to have you back on. I'm going to have you back awesome. on six months. And I want to talk about where mm -hmm. you are with Antidote. And I know I get feedback from my listeners. So I'm going to write down those questions to ask you. Right. Uh, but in the interim, if people wanted to reach out to you, people wanted to hire your company, mm -hmm. people ask you about learning and development what is the best way for them is like social media linkedin your website go go to our website which is this is antidote.com okay and then i am just julie at this is antidote.com what a great that's such a great email i love that, <laughs> I love that. thank All you right. not grammatically correct but All that's right. okay Julia, this is antidote. This is antidote.com. Okay. Hopefully you get some people mention the podcast. So I get credit for this, please. I certainly will. Uh, uh, no, I meant to my listeners. <laughs> okay. And I will mention it too. I mean, social, having a social network strategy has meant, meant the world. Uh, that's been way more powerful than I have anticipated as well. So that's yeah. a tip for the listeners is social media works. I feel like we just scratched the surface really on learning and development. 
And so the next time I have you back on, I'm going to have, again, specific topics that I want to cover where I think there's the greatest opportunity in the SMB space for a company like yours. And and hopefully we continue to have those coffees so yes, that we can yes. learn from you. I'm making my hundred calls, Brian, based mm-hmm. on our last coffee. Yeah. Uh, they are due by next Friday, the 10th. All so right. 15% open rate response rate so that I can get four clients by the end of this year. So if we're meeting in six months, I would like to have 10 use cases for you of oh. clients and how they are utilizing Antidote. That's my goal. Wow. You just, you put that on tape. That's impressive. That's like Joe Namath guaranteeing a Super Bowl win. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So six months from today, what's that? Five, two. So, right. So, okay. So sometime in May, I'm going to have you back on. Perfect. And and we're going to hear all about how great Antidote is doing. Thank you, Brian. Julie Rollauer, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for telling us about Antidote, uh, the cure for common content. I'm content. All right. Fantastic. We look forward to keeping in touch. And to our listeners, as always, thank you. Check out Julie's website with her partners. This is antidote.com. And keep your feedback coming. We appreciate it. And let us know who else you'd like to hear on the Small Business Edge podcast. And we'll do our best to get them on a future episode. Until then, everybody, have a great day and keep learning. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.